0: All right, hey, would you stand on your feet as we read the wonderful word of the Lord? Are y'all as excited as I am? I know you're letting that cold weather bring you down and make you want to like cuddle down in your chair with a cup of coffee and some hot cocoa, but uh, come on, let's do this today. Y'all ready? We're going to be reading from Luke uh, chapter 7, starting at verse 1 and Before we read this, I want to give you a little context to what is happening here. So, Jesus had just finished the famous Sermon on the Mount. So, understand, Jesus has come, he started his public ministry, and the Sermon on the Mount happens. He begins to teach people things they have never heard about God before. I mean, so many people were blown away at the amazing relationship... ...that they could have with God the Father. Some of the religious people were blown away about uh, how, how wrong they thought Jesus was. So that is what has happened right before this story. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. The disciples were with him that day. Uh, some people were, who were wanting to know more about him were with him on that day... I'm sure that there were some Pharisees lurking in the crowd that day to try to find what Jesus was saying that was wrong. So there was all of this happening, and all of a sudden, this story takes place. Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 1. When Jesus finished saying all this to the people, okay, that's in reference to the Sermon on the Mount. When he finished saying all of these things to the people, he returned to Capernaum. At that time, a highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to him to ask him to come and heal his slave. Verse 4. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. They said this. If anyone deserves your help... He does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a temple for us. Verse 6, so Jesus went with them, but just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy for such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if, they, and if I say to my slave, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I have never seen faith like this in all of Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your incredible word. God, I pray today that your word would do what it promises to do, that we would be transformed and changed by the word of God. We love you so much, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Hey, what a, what a crazy story. I don't know if you've ever read this story before, if the story's new to you, or maybe you've read it a hundred times, but I've read this story several times uh, in the last few weeks, and every time I read it, even this morning, new things keep popping out in my brain. There's one phrase that drops in my mind when I read this story, and the phrase is this, What if? What if? I don't know if you have ever asked yourself the question, what if, before. But it's interesting that when you say this phrase, whatever you say after you say what if, determines so much about your life. I'm going to say that again. Whatever you say out of your mouth after you say the words what if determines so many things about your life. Did you know that your what-if can be the beginning and endings of almost anything in your life? Have you ever made these statements in your heart before? What if all Christians are like the ones that have let me down? What if all churches are like that last church that I attended What if religion would make me narrow-minded? What if God doesn't love me just as I am? The challenge with this phrase, what if, is this, is that if you have had a bad experience with anything, most of the time, our bad experiences will taint our future, Every time you consider stepping into a new thing, a new season, a new relationship, a new career, a new job, a new church, here it comes. What if? What if comes on down the road? Isn't it funny that Christians often ask themselves, what if I ask God for help and he doesn't help me? What if I ask God for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't give it to me? If you've ever let this phrase, what if before, paralyze you or stop you from the next thing that God has in your life, the next season, the next relationship, the next great adventure, today is for you. I'm not planning on getting super hype, although I might But today, I want to speak to your mind, I want to speak to your heart, and I pray that the transforming word of God literally changes you. I want to talk to you today about one of the things that has hindered me and is possibly hindering you from receiving everything that God has freely given to you. What if? What can we learn about this story today? Well, there's so many things we can learn about this story today, but I want to just focus in on three things. The first thing, I want us to notice the who. The who. Who is in this story? Well, we can see in Luke chapter 7, verse 2, the Bible says, At that time, a highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. This story is centered around this Roman officer. The officer the officer. I want us to notice the officer in the story. Well, what do we know about the average Roman officer? Well, we know that they're brutal dictators. We know that they are some of the most brutal in all of history. We know that they ruled by the sword. We know that they used fear as a main tactic of control and to get people to do what they wanted. I would venture to say that this Roman officer was one of the most unlikely people of that time ...for to display the type of faith that would blow Jesus away. I mean, out of all people that were there with Jesus... ...I think that this Roman soldier is probably the most unlikely person... ...that should have this kind of faith. I mean, shouldn't it have been one of the disciples that came down... ...from hearing the Sermon on the Mount blow Jesus away with their new faith? Shouldn't it have been maybe one of the religious professionals of the day... To be so faith-filled and inspired from listening to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to come down and blow Jesus away with their faith? No, it wasn't any one of them. It was this religious outsider. It was this Roman soldier. It was this guy who blew Jesus away. How is that possible? Out of all the people in Israel, Jesus said, out of everyone in Israel, this man amazed me. It's so interesting to note that when we read this story, this man had some preconceived ideas about Christ. He said this. He said, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home. I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to meet you. If I could speak to this Roman soldier today, I would have some questions for him and I would ask him this Roman soldier, Roman officer, who told you you weren't worthy of Jesus? Where did you hear that from? Who told you that Jesus was not interested in coming to you and visiting your home? Who told you he wanted to have a relationship with you through other people? Who told you that you needed to send other people on behalf of you? Who told you that? I would venture to say, based off of this story, the Bible says that these Jewish elders came to Jesus and said, Jesus, this man loves your people so much. He loves them so much, in fact, that he's actually helped build some of our synagogues. Well, Lord knows what goes on around the synagogues, around the church offices when the doors are closed on, on during the week. And no one is here. What did this Roman soldier learn about God while he was there working on the synagogue? What did he learn from those religious leaders about God? Well, it looks like to me he learned that he was unworthy. But there was something about hearing the name Jesus, there was something in him, I don't know what it is, is, the Bible doesn't even allude to it, there was something in him that still made him think, I heard the religious leaders say this about Jesus, and this about me, and I know that I'm unworthy, but what if Jesus wants to come and answer my requests, and do something on behalf of me for my slave? Because I can't do life without my slave. He's my everything. He's my my number one person. Yeah, that's what they were back in the day. It's not the slave necessarily like you think of. But this was his number one person, this slave. What if? What would it be like if we told the story in modern day times? I think it would be like this. I think it would be like Jesus coming to this area And all of the church folks gathering, just like we do when Billy Graham comes to town. Not all the unsaved folks, but all the church, word gets out, all the church folks gather. They get in their van, they bring no lost people with them, and they all go hear Billy Graham, who is there to preach to the lost people. I think it would be just like that. I think it would be a building full of saved Christians. I wonder who his top 12 disciples would be. I wonder who some of the number one people that would be there listening to Jesus. I wonder who they would be. And after we all sit in the room and we hear the wonderful word of God from Jesus Christ himself, it would be like us all packing up and going home and the special ones who get to drive Jesus in the van back to his hotel, the servants, right? Us, right? So Roger and Chris and some of these guys that get to go with Jesus, they're, they're taking him back to the van and it was none of us that blew Jesus away with our faith and belief in him but it was the dude across the street in the apartment complex, yeah it was that guy, it was that guy that was working on your church building it was that guy that smokes cigarettes and drinks beer after work and he heard that he was unworthy of Jesus' love it was that guy. It was that guy that went, hey, I heard Jesus is in town. And I've heard enough to know that I'm unworthy. But I wonder if he will come and visit me while he's here. That's what the story would be like today. The truth is that that man's faith <laughs> blew Jesus away. As a matter of fact, the Bible says Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What else are we talking about in this story? Who else are we noticing in this story? Well, not only did we notice the officer, we're going to notice the lost. The lost. Luke 19.10, such a powerful scripture. It says this, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I'm also going to add in here... That just like in that day, that there are a lot of religious people hanging out with Jesus, hanging out in church, stuck in their religious ruts, thinking the wrong things about the love of Christ. (laughs) Isn't it funny that this man found himself to be unworthy? So unworthy, in fact, he didn't even think that he was worthy of Jesus coming to visit him. Not save him, visit him. I want to ask you the same question that we asked the Roman soldier a minute ago. Who told you you were unworthy? (laughs) Who told you you were unworthy of a visit from Jesus? Who told you that he would be happy with a long-distance relationship with you? Who told you that you had to call the pastor, to pray for you rather than just to call on him. The soldier even sent somebody one extra time to remind Jesus, hey, by the way, don't come. I'm not unworthy. I'm not worthy of you. So many Christians today are serving a distant God. So many Christians today are serving a God who is far off. But in fact, I want you to know that He is not far off at all. He's actually near, and he wants to be with you. As a matter of fact, if you consider yourself a believer and you invited him into your life, he's actually with you. The Bible says he's actually in you. And sometimes as we pray, we stare off into the sky as if God is not with us, but he's actually here. He's with us. He's in you right now. Sure, he's all around, he's created all these things so we can look out at the clouds and the stars and the sky and creation and be amazed about his handiwork, but that stuff is not him. He's in you and I. Do we believe this? There is no one, not one person, unworthy of Jesus' love. Of his saving grace. As a matter of fact, just in case you're in here and you go, oh yeah, well, I know some people and they're unworthy because I know of what they do. Okay, well, I want you to know that there is no one unworthy of the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus actually considers you so loved, as a matter of fact, he died for you just the way you are. He thought that you were so worthy of his sacrifice that he died for you. He loves you so deeply. The Bible says that he is on hot pursuit for you. He wants to know you. When you think that you're unworthy or religious tells you unworthy, you think that it keeps him at distance. But the Bible says that he came to seek and save those who are lost. That means he is in hot pursuit for you. He craves a relationship with you. He wants to get to know you. He actually created you so that he can love you with all of himself and have you in his life and have a relationship with you and bring you into his family. But religion wants you to not think that. It wants you to think that you're unworthy and that you're not worthy of his sacrifice and you're not worthy of his love. And you should stay on the outside. That's what religion tells you. But the scripture says that we just read is that he came to seek and save those who are lost. So Jesus says to you today, come on, forget about the religion that you know and come and get to know me, Jesus says. Because I came and I walked on this planet to reveal The God that you've been serving that's been so far away in your eyes? No, I came down to this earth to reveal the heart of the Father. And he actually came down to walk with you and to be with you, not to be at distance with you. Today, if you consider yourself non-religious, non-spiritual like this Roman officer did today, I want you to know that Jesus is telling you, I see you and I see your faith and I want a relationship with you. Although religion says, you should hesitate a little bit because you're unworthy. You should think about it before you come down to this altar. Do you really think God would say, do you think Jesus would say that to you today if he was in this room? you coming down to the altar, you're wait, hold on, wait a minute. Don't you remember last time that you messed this up? Go back, go clean your act up and come back when you're ready. Okay, you ready? Okay, come on. Okay, now I'm going to forgive you for all this, but that, I'm still stewing over that one. I'm still a little upset. I didn't forget about that. It's going to take me a little while to get over that. Well, you know when God says a little while, it's a long while. No, that's not what he does at all. He says, come, come. The same way he said, Come to the thief on the cross. The same way he said, Come to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. The same way he said, Come to this Roman officer who was the most unlikely person to amaze Jesus of his awesome faith. That man, he said, Yep, you come. The next thing I want to talk about is the mindset. The mindset. The mindset. This is my favorite point, by the way, just so you know. This whole entire message was written just for this right here. The mindset. The Bible says in Luke 7 3 that when the officer heard, somebody say heard, when he heard about, not heard, heard, when he heard about Jesus. Sorry, if you've watched Medea, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When the officer heard about Jesus, I want to talk to you about what happens in your mindset when you. Hear about Jesus First I want to notice You got to put your thinking cap on right now Just take some extra notes if you need to What is a mindset? A mindset is a set of attitudes about something Or we could say a set of beliefs about something Think about the word mindset Mind set You get it? My mind is set On what I heard Doesn't matter if what you heard was right or wrong. My mind is set. It is settled. I will not allow new information to come in and change my mind because my mind is set. The word set can also mean preconditioned, so that no matter what you hear, you are preconditioned to think and believe about everything you hear about what you already think and believe about. Kind of confusing, kind of strange. But that's what happens. That's what we do. When you hear information processed through your mindset, your mindset will either allow you to receive or not receive what you are hearing based off of your mindset. Are you with me? Are you okay? Let's take this a little further. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 and 7, for as... He thinks within himself, so is he. As a man thinks within, as his mindset is, as he thinks, as his set of attitudes is, as his beliefs are within himself, so is he. What if that last church was like the last church? Then I'm, then I'm never going to allow the next church to change my mind, because it's going to be like the last church. What if... The next relationship that God has set up for me that's gonna bring healing to my life, that's gonna be the best friend I've ever had. What if they're like the last one? Well, I'm already preconceived. I'm already preset. My mind is already set that they're gonna hurt me. So, what am I gonna look for? What am I gonna find there? I'm gonna find hurt. Why? Because you are set. You're unchangeable. Here's the problem today the problem for you and I is that we as Christians have our mindset. And we think we got it all together. We think we got the Bible down. We think we got the God, our God down. And so many denominations today have their mindset, including our own denomination. And we have prearranged everything that we think about God's word based off of what we think about God's word. How many of you have ever been wrong before? How many of you have ever looked back at how you believed when you first believed and went, wow, well, I don't think that way anymore. I'm changed. But the further we get along, the less we change. Do you see the danger? The further we get along, the less we change. Here's, here's, what, here's, here's what's so hard about this is that when our mind is set, we can't be transformed. Do you want to be transformed? The Bible says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. But if our mind is set, every time we read the word of God, we're going to read it in light of everything that we already know, and we're not going to let it transform us. We have to be careful to not set our minds on things that are not solid and based on the word of God. Especially your thoughts about God especially your thoughts about yourself. If you have a distorted image of God based off of how you grew up and the religion that was taught to you, you have to be careful to not have your mind fixed, locked in, and settled on that. Because what you think about God will always be distorted. And what you think about yourself, if it is not everything that God says about you, You will always have your mind fixed and settled and distorted on who he has called you to be. You will serve a distant God forever. You will serve an angry God forever. You will serve a God who is ready to punish you when you sneeze forever. That's not the God that we serve, and that's not who he is. But your mind is fixed on that, so that's the God that you serve. You can serve him, I'm not. You always think that you're unworthy, just like That Roman officer did You will always Walk around thinking you're unworthy But that's not what Jesus says about you Just because You're not experiencing Something in Christ Doesn't mean he hasn't provided it for you I will It's in my notes it says repeat Say again I knew that was good That was good wasn't it Y'all agree was that good That's just because it's the word just because you have not experienced, experienced something does not mean that he has not provided it for you. Why? Your mindset. I know, you really don't believe me. Okay, let's have some fun. Your mindset is your permission giver. Where'd you get that, Sean? Was that like some fancy little thing you came up with? No. The Bible says this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I never took Greek. I never took Hebrew. I, I, I just, I, I get online and I, and I read the websites, right? They have incredible websites today. You don't have to go to Bible college to be a Bible scholar. You can get on and you can find Strongest Concordance and you can study the Bible for yourself. I went and I looked up that word think in the original word. The original word think means this. Do we have a slide for this? It means this, it means to split or to open as a man thinks. Then it says this, to act as a gatekeeper. That makes how you think so powerful because you are the gatekeeper of your thoughts. And the scripture says, as you think, so you are. As you don't think, so you're not. Your mindset is your permission giver. It's your permission to say yes, and it's your permission to say no. Bobby Brown wrote a song about it. It's my prerogative. Mm-mm. I can do what I want to do. It's my, okay, sorry. Everybody about 40 knows exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe a little bit above that. Below that, you're like, who's Bobby Brown? <laughs> It's your prerogative, because how you think is your gatekeeper. I'm not talking about naming and claiming it. I'm talking about your life in Christ. You give yourself permission to experience everything that Christ has for you. Your freedom, your liberty in Christ, and all that he says you are. He says, you're loved, you're accepted, and you're free. But somehow, somewhere in the religion that you picked up, you have learned that I'm loved sometimes, and I'm not loved other times. I'm free sometimes, and other times I'm not free. I'm accepted sometimes, and other times I'm not accepted. But just because you're lacking something in your life doesn't mean that God hasn't given it to you. Because You have permission in your mind. You, you, the way you think is your gatekeeper. How is your what if sound right now? What if God, what if God? I hope your faith is being built. Because how do you think about the goodness of God? Is he going to stop you when you come into his presence and ask him for something? Is he going to tell you to hold on a minute? Is he going to forgive all of your sin or just some of your sin? He's going to love you sometimes and not all the time. Is he going to give salvation to some people and not everyone? Does he offer freedom for some things and not freedom for other things? No, but your mindset thinks that. He's actually given freedom to all things. And when he saved you, he freed you from all things. And when you came into a relationship with him, all things that were in him now come in you but your mindset doesn't allow you to believe that. So as a man thinks in his heart, so are you, and so am I. Are you ready to give yourself permission? Our egos get in the way so much. Our egos are so powerful. Your ego will not give you permission to have something or do something that does not work within your framework of beliefs. Won't do it. Your ego is so big that it won't let anything work within its framework of how it believes and how it thinks. It's big. And the scary thing about that is, is that sometimes our ego is willing to die on the hill of I'm right. And that keeps you from experiencing all that God has for you. It's happened to me many times. So I ask you, are you sure? Are all churches the same? Are all Christians the same? Is God mad at you? Is he holding his gifts back from you, his goodness back from you, freedom back from you? I want to challenge you today to allow the word to begin to change your mindset. The last thing, what's our response? That's The response, what is the response? Will we see what Jesus' response here was? What was Jesus' response? Yes, yes, I will come. Yes, you can have my healing. Yes, I will come. The Bible doesn't say, but I bet you that Jesus brought salvation to this soldier. What is his response to you? Yes, yes, I will come to you. Yes, you can have me. Yes, you can have all of me. No, I'm not holding anything back from you. Yes, I want your mind to change. Yes, I'm not what you think I am. Yes, I am more than you thought I am. Yes, I am bigger than you thought I am. Yes, I demolish your sin. Yes, I have brought you freedom. Yes, yes, yes. That's what he said to you. What's our response? Wow and thank you what's our response our response is to open the gate and say thank you Jesus yes salvation is mine yes freedom is mine yes new relationships are mine yes trust is mine yes I can open my heart again yes security is mine no insecurity is not mine yes freedom is mine bondage is not mine anymore freedom is mine yes you are mine deliverance is mine peace is mine That's what your response is. That's what our response is. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and 6, I love this scripture. Paul helps us to understand a few things. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let. What does that word let mean? Give yourself permission. Would you? Would you let the word of Christ would you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Would you would you give yourself permission to allow the word of Christ and not just the Bible but actually the Christ because the word is Jesus, Jesus is actually God. So would you let God dwell in you richly and stop closing the gate on what he wants to do in your life? And he says in all wisdom and teaching Are you willing to learn some new things from him? Are you willing to give permission to yourself to say yes to things in his word that religion has told you to say no to? And then as we keep on reading, then it says admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I went and looked up this word admonishing because I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't doesn't really make sense. So what what does this word admonishing mean? Because in this context, it just doesn't sound right. The original word admonishing here is actually opposite of what you think. It's positive, warm pressure. This is not about chastisement. If you look up the, the dictionary word admonishment, it's a lot about rebuke and chastisement. But the actual original word says positive and warm pressure. The word used positive and warm pressure to encourage one another on in what? In grace. Musicians are coming forward today. Our takeaway today is your what if will give you permission to take hold of what Christ has already provided for you. Your what if will give you permission to take hold of what Christ has already provided for you. Are you like the Roman officer today? Have you been peeking over the fence at Christianity and Christ? Interested in a relationship with him, but what you have heard about him is that he thinks you're unworthy. So unworthy, in fact, that you shouldn't step into the doors of a church. So unworthy, in fact, that he wants to have a long-distance relationship with you. So unworthy, in fact, that he doesn't want to come and meet you and be your friend. Is that you today? Well, I want to tell you today that's a lie from the pit of hell I want to tell you today that Jesus Thinks you're so worthy That he died for you That he sent his son To pay the wages for the sin That you and I Were stained with that Because of what Jesus did for you The Bible says That you can experience new life And a new relationship with God the Father He came to seek and save those who are lost If you're in here today and you're lost He didn't come to make us all feel good We're, we, we, we have a relationship with Him He's going to continue to grow us And it is beautiful and it is amazing Jesus right now is actually looking for you if you consider yourself a religious outsider, and he wants to get to know you. How do you have a relationship with him? Well, we say around here a lot, Ephesians 2.8, the Bible says this, that we're saved through, we're saved by grace through faith. What does that mean? Well, faith is kind of like belief in your heart, but the Bible actually describes it differently from belief. It's not something that You get from deep inside your core being. It's actually, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. So you heard God's word today. You learned something new about him. I wanna encourage you, you have faith. So you, you got that one and he's got grace. That means he's giving something to you that you don't deserve and neither did I. But he saw us as so worthy that he sent his son to die for us.